And welcome, everybody, to the 2023 season of Traveler Chat. My name is IMCF Traveler uh, at IMCF Traveler on Twitter. I'm here with my co-host Jorge. How you doing, Jorge? I'm good, Trav. How you doing? Ah, I can't complain. It's a nice Friday night. Oh, no real complaints. Season's coming up real quick. Yeah, um, really excited. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got the off season, you know, MLS season pass, and you know, some moves to you know to kind of break down and predictions. I think is kind of what we have on the itinerary for tonight, right? Yeah, but before we dive too much into it, there's been one big announcement this week, and that is Traveler Chat has joined the Inner Miami Podcast Universe. Uh, really quickly, the Inner Miami Podcast Universe is this kind of collection of various Inner Miami personalities, all collected together under the Inner Miami Podcast umbrella. So. Going forward this season, the uh, recorded version of Traveler Chat will actually be on the Inner Miami Podcast social media channels. It'll be on their Spotify, their Apple Music, all of that. So you'll be able to tune in afterwards and catch the recorded version of Traveler Chats on those mediums. And, you know, for me personally, this is really exciting. I've been talking to the Inner Miami podcast guys for probably a season and a half now. And, you know, this really came together over the past, you know, couple of two, like two months or so. And, you know, I think of this as a great way for you know, just another voice to get into the Inner Miami kind of podcast sphere and, you know, a good way to make traveler chats accessible for anybody that wants to listen to them afterwards. Uh, And then real quick on traveler chat, if you've never tuned in before traveler chat is hosted weekly on Twitter using Twitter spaces for as long as this lasts. Uh, And it's open mic. Anybody can speak. Anybody from the community can come in. Me and Jorge aren't really host or more moderators to a open conversation and it's something that came after a lot of chirping on twitter saying that oh there's no way to respond to me without sounding like an ass and i agree mostly because i'm an ass most of the time so our traveler chat gives that ability to people to come in here share your thoughts however wild they are you can come in and have your voice heard so that is basically where we are. Uh, Jorge, I know you're excited about this. You know, it's really exciting to, you know, kind of have a home for Traveler Chats after we're done. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, we did this for roughly the, what, the second half of last season? You you started it, you know, and I jumped in, you know, later on. But um, it is, it's really good to have this kind of a format where, you know, we, you and I communicate with a lot of other people, you know, through Discord, through Twitter, um, and sometimes it's really nice to have a conversation. And so, you know, I think over the last few months, it's been really great to get, you know, Callie, the batter hair and guys, like, broadening the community and the conversations between people who are doing their own things, um, you know, like Black Herons United, Battered Herons, um, even the, some of the journos out there that, you know, do really good work and 
kind of have a space that we can communicate, you know, bullshit, uh, debate, and, you know, just kind of uh, build more community around the fandom and our excitement around this team and the future and, you know, kind of live and die uh, on the hopes of of the dreams of Inter-Miami winning a championship one day. So that's, you know, that's really what I think is most exciting about this style of format. And, you know, I'm really honored that, you know, you've given me the opportunity to co-moderate this with you and that, you know, the Inter-Miami podcast guys have kind of opened up uh, the gateway for us and others to, to join them. Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, you'll hear people from, you know, all over the inner Miami kind of fandom on here throughout the season. We'll have a rotating third you know, moderators with us. Like tonight, we have Callie from Black Herons United and from the brand new inner Miami podcast universe show, Away Days. Uh, they just released their first episode yesterday. It's a fantastic listen. I highly encourage you to go out, go and check it out. And Oh, it's just a really nice way to turn around and get a vast kind of idea or gauge of where the fan base is at with, you know, certain moves, certain results, where we are in the standings, all of that. So I'm really excited for what this season has to bring and really just excited to kind of get back. It's been a relatively short offseason with the World Cup, but it's nice to be back and back home in uh dry pink stadium next week yeah yeah it's coming it's coming up so uh with that where do you want to start i think the kind of best place to start is oh let's just dive right into it let's get into predictions (laughs) okay you want to start there let's go let's start from like the very top and let's just spiral down from there okay so Jorge, give me your predictions you know We'll start with the kind of prediction for the starting 11. Let's start with that because I'm sure that'll lead to some conversations about some of these additions and departures that Miami's seen over the past couple of months. Okay. So uh, starting 11. So given kind of what we've seen through preseason um, and some of the formations that we saw towards the end of last season and the moves that have been made, um, I think starting from the back, you know, Drake obviously is going to is who I would slot in as the starting goalkeeper. Um, I think McVeigh. Um, and what? Who is? What's the new guy's name? I cannot pronounce it. Kristoff. Sergey Kristoff. Sergey Kristoff. Sergey Kirstoff. Kirstoff. Kristoff. I asked my Ukrainian friend, it's, so you could pronounce it three different ways. Well, two different, you could call it Sergi, or if you want to be like really like uh, super into it, you can call it Sergi, and then his last name is, you can rather say Chris, which would be the direct translation in English, or it would be Kristoff. That's, that's what it, that's, I tried my best, but that's how he said it. So Kristoff. Right. It, it, the 
S and T are slit are flipped. I can't pronounce it right. Only he can. I'll ask him another time. <laughs> yeah, get him on here so we can get a, an appropriate pronunciation so we stop sounding like idiots. Um, but him and McVeigh, uh, starting center backs, Yedlin on the right, uh, Negri on the left. I think that's probably the starting back four. Um, the question really becomes, you know, what do we do in the midfield? So, four four two, four two three, you know, four two three one, four two two two. I think it's going to be Gregory as the stopper, but Mota as the drop back receiving um, six slash eight. So Gregory's going to. Primarily remain in the defensive third, um, not really progress the ball past midfield, and Mota's going to be more box-to-box. Um, next to them, or above them, is going to be the real question marks. We've heard Stefanelli's name uh, be tossed out there as you know, showing a lot of attacking verve, um, someone who likes to move forward and attack the goal and who wants to really progress um, in a way that may be different than what we even saw without Pozuelo. I think that's a really exciting, dynamic skill set. But without having seen him, without him being tested, I'm not going to predict him being in the starting 11 week one. I'm going to actually put uh, Bryce Duke in that spot. Um, next to Duke becomes, is it, you know, Pizarro? Robert Taylor, um, and I really just don't know. Um, I'm going to guess it's going to be Pizarro, as much as I hate to say it. Um, I don't think his skill set fits this style, but he's a good player. He can provide something, and I think Phil is at least going to give him the opportunity to show what he's worth. Um, And I think he will probably be that second attacking midfielder um, in that second line. And then obviously up top, it's going to be Campana. It's going to be Joseph. And I think that would be my prediction for our starting 11, uh, you know, week one. Yeah. I mean, I, for the most part, agree outside of, I think Stefanelli is a day one starter. I think Joseph and Campana up top, uh, Phil Neville's made it very clear that they're going to both play. We're going to play two strikers this year. And oh, for me, the only, the biggest question mark is really just who's going to play that, you know, play creating number 10, but maybe not a true number 10 role in the midfield. Oh, Molta's shown his ability to play that line-breaking pass at times, but Molta's also very key defensively. Uh, Pizarro in the 2020 season showed that oh, he can be really good at times, and then times just completely drops off and forgets you know, that he's even playing. And then guys like Stefanelli are a question mark. We've not really seen much of him in preseason. He wasn't around for the only open preseason match. 
Uh, according to reports, he looked very lively and very good against uh, St. Louis. But at that point, he was playing St. Louis's basically third team. So for me, that's the biggest question mark going into the season is who's going to play that number 10 role. Oh, Robert Taylor can do it. Oh, he's more of a true winger than anything. He can use his speed and his fantastic skills to create. But that right there is the biggest question mark. Who's going to play that role to feed Campana, feed Josef? And, and I think that like part of the part of what makes this difficult is that the identity of this roster build last season was a single striker with two attacking wingers. You know, the four, three, three is what we saw a lot of. And that wing play, you know, created a lot of, you know, created basically our best attacking chances for the vast majority of the season. We weren't terribly dangerous going forward um, until, you know, until late when we started really kind of clicking with, you know, once Pozuelo arrived. But this team has a surplus of wingers that are talented players. And a guy like Robert Taylor, um, obviously we've, we've sent Emerson off. Um, Ariel Lassiter, who, you know, no one is talking about anymore. And I mean, is a guy who has his faults as far as, finishing the ability to take people one-on-one some you know he gets he doesn't put it all together sometimes but you can see that he has the ability that if it like when it clicks he can be a very special player the way that this team is structured now guys like him don't necessarily have a spot anymore and so you know stefanelli and duke i could see playing side by side and that means that robert taylor comes off the pitch it's like Who's going to be, what is our attacking formation going to look like? And how do we get the guys that have been here and that we know what they have and have been established, you know, how do we get them involved in a new, in this new style? And that's, that's really one of the biggest questions for me moving forward this season is to see, you know, with this identity change with, you know, playing two up top and maybe, you know, this stacked double, you know, two midfield uh, or, you know, two and two in the midfield. I I just don't know. You know, we have a lot of players that are versatile, but you know, I, I'm I'm concerned that, you know, we may we may be leaving talent on the bench that may be better utilized with you know with a shift. And I can definitely see Neville doing it late games, you know, going for goal, you know you know, pulling out all the stops and attacking. Um I don't know. That's one of my biggest concerns in this off season is, you know, I see, I see a change formationally and tactically. And I, and I just don't know if we're going to be, um, you know, how well we're going to pull that off, you know, at the start. Uh, one of my biggest concerns is, uh, are we sure we're playing to the player's strengths, right? Chris Anderson has done everything he can um, to bring in the right set of players, right? He brings in uh, great personalities, you know, great locker room people, Yedlin, et cetera, et cetera. But are we playing to these players' strengths, right? Because I joke around that at least once every game, one player is out of position. Like every time, and it kind of shows how they're out of position. You know, McVeigh is kind of a 
I know he's not a left back, but he did actually pretty well as a left back. Not saying that we should do that this year, but you know, given the case last year, our thin roster sanctions, I get it. But like in this case, like Pizarro is a left-sided winger. Um, he can play as a 10, but we're not playing him as a 10 and we're using him as an eight, which is, I don't think he's very played there very much. So I personally, if you guys like all know me, uh, I do not like Pisaro at all on this roster. And, you know, he, he's kind of lacked in form lately. Hopefully he can get back, but I'm not sure how he's going to get back in form when you're playing him out of position. It's like Coco as the 10 in preseason. We play, we're, we're paying him pretty good money, but we're not doing a good service because we're literally playing him out of position. Like, we're not giving these guys a fair chance to show off what they really can do. That's my biggest concern. Well, I almost think that the playing guys out of position narrative with Inter-Miami is a little overblown because we've seen... Chris Henderson consistently signed these guys who can and have played multiple positions. You know, Stefanelli's played both wings, striker, center forward, and number 10. You know, Chris McVay, before he came here, played left back, played right back, played center back. Uh, Ariel Lasseter is a winger and can play striker. Robert Taylor is a winger and can play in the midfield. So, I think that's a little overblown uh, just because that's the guys that Chris Henderson and Phil Neville like to sign. They like to sign guys who can play in three, four different roles if needed. And, and I think the point that I really agree with, with Matthew is, and I, you know, and I agree with you too, Trap, but are we playing them in their best positions? And that, and, and that is you know and I, I agree the out of playing players out of position is is overblown but with that versatility robert taylor's clearly a better winger than he is centrally you know he has the talent to play there but his best moments are when he has space and he can take someone to the touchline um and he has that magic the you know same thing with last year he didn't show much when he played centrally as a striker but as a winger that's when he that's when he started to really flourish you know McVeigh, i think we all agree was uh, a standout player for us you know played basically every single minute but he did play in the weaker of the two positions that he's comfortable with and now hopefully we're going to see him play his strongest position um and that's you know i i think that's where that second midfielder you know in in is it is it pizarro is it duke is it taylor you know that player i really want to see play you know be locked in that that is their that is their best position um because we need that support moving forward because this team desperately needs to facilitate and score more goals than we did last year Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. I think that you know, the, a big question with these players who can play different positions is, are they playing their best position? You know, you mentioned Robert Taylor, who 
Uh, we saw when we played, was it Charlotte? Oh, he had that fantastic oh, ball movement on the right side, cut inside, shoot, score. He did the same thing against Dallas where he had a fantastic run on the ball and then played a pass across for Campana to tie the game late. That is going to be the biggest question. And we'll also see how flexible are we in our formation. Phil Neville came out today and straight up said, we're going to be playing with two strikers. Does that last? Do we potentially see a move to a 4-3-3? Or what about, and this is crazy, what about a, a almost 4-2-4 where we see you know two wide players who can come inside like Rodolfo you know, Pizarro on the left, Robert Taylor on the right where on defense they tuck inside, on attack they come out wide. Oh, so I think this squad has a lot of positional flexibility and it's just going to be where can we optimize the players we have the most. Listen guys, I'm sure Phil has shown, he's already shown that, that sense of uh, flexibility with the, with the formations. So I'm not worried about that. I think eventually he'll figure it out, especially when you incorporate the new guys, when you have Negri, when you have Stefanelli, uh, which by the way, he brings different characteristics from, from Pozuelo. And so the only reason that diamond formation even worked in the first place was because of Pozuelo. He was the main guy there. He was the capo there. So now that he's gone, um, who knows what Phil eventually is going to figure out, but I don't think that diamond formation will work unless we put Duke or even my boy Escona up up on the top of the diamond. What are we going to do when a player gets injured? Like, what do we do if uh, uh, well, it's only a matter of time before someone pops a hammy? And hopefully not, but it, it, it's going to happen. Um, I don't think we've Going ever done Robbie like, glass legs. Yeah, Robbie glass legs. He pops a hammy, or uh, uh, let's say uh, a random forward, Campana. I guess he pops a hammy. What do we do? Do we still keep playing two strikers? Are we gonna have uh, uh, Robbie Robinson uh, go up top with uh, Joseph Martinez and spam, uh, spamming uh, step overs and cut on the inside for ninety minutes? I, I don't know. Are we gonna have Lacava play there? Well, well, I don't know. Remember, Stefanelli's uh, preferred position is actually as a false nine or on top next to uh, a target striker like like Campana. Kampapi, actually. It's called Kampapi. That's oh, right. Oh, Kampapi. <laughs> so, so there we go. But like, so, what so, Yes. So what I'm saying is, like, well, what do we do when, when a player goes down? Like, uh, like Campana goes down. That pretty much ruins our two-striker system. Hey, let's see if Stefanelli can do it. I don't know. I haven't seen any of him. All I've seen is highlights off of YouTube. Um, I haven't really – I don't follow the Swedish league at all. So maybe well, he can far, prove me wrong. As far as Stefanelli, everything that I've heard, and even even people that follow the Swedish Swedish Meatball League, um, everything everyone says the same thing. He his strength is as a sort of shadow striker or false nine, or as a left winger. Um, so that's his strength. So that's why I, I don't think he'll work, uh, you know, in that diamond formation at the top. But if we can, if someone, if Martinez. Or, or if Campana gets injured, you know, at least we have Stefanelli. He can step in there. Yeah, I mean, 
to Matthew's question, what happens with if one of these two strikers goes down? I think it's easy. We we shift to a four three three. You know, we have we have plenty of wide attacking talent that has been tested, and we know you know there's a level of comfort there. Um, I agree, man, completely. Especially with the wingers, that activates the wingers. You put yeah. Lasser out there, or even, you know, back to Robbie Taylor. My right. question is, would like I'm not saying like. What I would do four through three, like immediately, like a hundred percent boom right there. Like, well, like I'm not even a second thought, right? But the problem is, what would Phil do? Now that's a whole different other world of what man, would Phil do? We cannot predict Neville Ball. Come on, man, you know that. Dude, Neville Ball is like, uh, okay, so we're gonna play Rodolfo Pizarro as the six because Mota is down, and I don't feel like playing Gregory in position. That's Neville Ball right there. Well. You know, I almost think, you know, you mentioned an injured in the midfield. I'm not worried about the midfield at all this year. Uh, everybody's heard me. We have a fantastic player on the bench who can step in and play you know, the 8, the 10, the 6 in the midfield. And his name is Benja Kramas. Stop. You're going to get and- him sold. You're going to get him sold. What are you doing? The curse. First of all, am I the only one that pronounces his last name as K- K- Kremaski? Am I it's the only Kramashi. one? It's Kremashi. It's Kremashi. Is that, is that confirmed? Like, Kremashi? Is that what he said? That is confirmed via his DMs. Uh, Kremashi. That's so strange. Okay. And I think going into this season, you know, he is the player that excites me the most. He's 17. He already earned a call up to almost like the trials for the Argentina U20 national team. Ahead of uh, what was it? Copa, like the Copa America U twenties, and it, he for me is really exciting. Uh, oh, if you guys don't know who he is, go check out some IMCF two highlights from last year. He is truly the next real deal. I am really excited for him in the midfield, and you know, for any injuries up top. I don't think I'm too worried there either. Miami spent a lot of time building their depth this offseason. Uh, between a healthy Robbie Robinson, uh, Jake LaCava, uh, Ariel Lasseter, who can play centrally. Uh, Miami now has a wealth of depth up top. And uh, that goes without even touching on uh, other guys such as, uh, let's see. Oh, Coco Jean, or well, Coco Jean, oh, who can also play up top the striker. So, you know, I, I think Miami up top is going to be very sound this year. I think there's a lot of depth there, so I'm not too worried about injuries. I'm mostly concerned about who's going to feed them without Alejandro Pazuelo, who has signed a contract in Turkey a day before the devastating earthquakes there. Oh, the reason why I was freaking out before is, if you don't know, every time this man says something good about a, a player, I think last year it was uh, Indiana Vasilev. Yeah, yeah, in order that he gets sold. Uh, who was it before? Who was the 2020? Oh, that's right, last year. Damian Lowe. You said high things about Damian Lowe and he got sold. Well, to be fair, Damian Lowe, I said nice things about for like two weeks beforehand, and then he got sold. So 
That's the first thing. That's what I'm saying. A little bit. Say nice things but, about Robbie Glasslegs. Come on, say it. <laughs> but, but yes, for those who are tuning in for the first time, uh, I, I'm accused of having a curse, and that is anytime I hype up a player or buy a lot of their merch, uh, they eventually get sold. Year one, it was Lewis Morgan. Year two, it was uh, Indiana Vasilev. And this year, for me, it was, it is Benja Kramashi. And oh, for two weeks, it was Damian Lowe as a joke. And then he actually got sold. And now I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, we even hyped up Lauren Markwith. And she got, I don't know, she left. She didn't get sold. She just left. To, to Lauren Markwith with the, uh, you know, huge IMC. Who are not an IMCF Traveler fan. You are not as good as Lauren Markwith. She's my favorite person on this planet. Now, the rest of you guys are second fiddle. <laughs> Trav, if you ever say a word about Ryan Sailor, I'm going to find where you live and burn your house down. Let's go. Please don't. Please don't. I just bought this place. I mean, he lives in Broward. I mean, that would be a good reason to go to Broward. Oh, God. Is anybody from Vice City listening? I mean, yeah, that was about to say. I mean, this, you know, this offseason has already started with, you know, threats of stabby stabby and now we're going moving on to arson so I, this is i'm saying specifically if ryan saylor gets sold because of trav i'm burning his house down i mean i'm Shut with up arson right there like, jesus christ that's woo. okay so we went from arson and we got a stabby stabs what's next who's gonna oh, well, speaking what's of next? Stabby stabs, if you want to get your chance travy boy uh go to the barbecue tomorrow Let's go. I'm going. Sir, I'm actually going to referee again tomorrow, despite getting uh, you know, beat up two days ago. Ooh. So hoping, you know, I, I, hoping he I clearly have a death wish. Tell me how much you like pain, Daddy. Yeah, Trav. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Trav, hey, yo, the most yo. interesting life, I swear. It's just you you fascinate me, my friend. Um, but to get this thing back on track, um, do you think Benji is going to be our first homegrown superstar? Yes. Yes. And so I've, I've seen nothing. Benja. But and Benja. and what what is in your opinion? Because I haven't seen I haven't seen him play nearly as much as you have. What is what is realistically his floor and his ceiling? Uh I would say his floor is, to me personally, Atletico Madrid. Kind of a, yeah, I, I think his floor is a high caliber MLS player. Oh, I think he's one of those guys that, oh, at, at the very minimum, you know, ten years will be like, wow, you know, he's <laughs> oh, been a huge there for ten years. At his, thing, I think he, oh, the next big. U.S. talent to go overseas and oh, kill it. Almost a, almost me or a Tyler Adams or even better, Brendan Aronson, who came from an MLS team, went overseas, is now killing it for Leeds, despite the fact that they're probably going to get relegated. Oh, I, I think that is his top, if not higher than that. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, Brendan Aronson has been decent with leads. The most he did was clown Mendy in the first week and then fall off the face of the earth. But I have a question for you. What position is he? Is he like a Pedri type of guy? Is he like a Gavi? Or like is eight, six, ten? Like, well, I don't know anything about this guy besides his name. Get out of here. So, come on. Benja is very much an eight. Uh, Right now, his biggest strength is the fact that this kid doesn't get tired. He will give you the same amount of energy from the first minute to the 90th minute. This kid does not get tired. Oh, I'm, you know, seven years older than him, and I walk up the stairs and I'm tired. Oh, this kid can go 90 minutes on a professional field and not get tired. So that is, you know, by far his biggest strength. Oh, on top of that, off the ball, he's very smart about his positioning. He's a late arriving midfielder to the box. He, you know, can play that first, you know, line breaking pass stay centrally to connect or be there for set out of the box. And, you know, in his debut season last year for IMCF two, Benja really kind of killed it for at that time, a 16 year old playing amongst men. And, you know, as I pull up his stats, let's see his, 2022 MLS Next Pro stats. I'm just not convinced that Phil's going to play him that much. I don't think he's going to get that much burn this season. Maybe well, he's going uh, to get the Ascona treatment, get sent to like some random USL team, yeah, and then just mysteriously come back for no reason at all. Yeah, my boy, my poor boy Ascona, man, just just rotting back there, just not getting any burn time. Am I the only one that has? watched Ascona and been like, this kid's just not ready for the pro level yet. He's not big enough. He's too much of a hide it. Like, 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 I mean, I like, I'm, I'm there too. I, I would have that opinion, I'm, I'm right but this guy that. never touches the field. He only touches the field against Vasco and then like, that's it. I mean, I watched him, I watched him with Enter Miami too and he played well at that level, but he he's not frankly mature enough to be a pro, I, yeah. I think it's because Phil favors midfielders that have a good work rate when they backtrack. And, and the Skona, that's not a Skona's um, strength, which is why I think that Robbie Taylor is going to be the guy, that number eight, that's going to be starting day one. I think Phil favors him a lot because of his work rate. So I think that's the issue with the Skona. Well, and really quick, back to Benja. 143 minutes last year. Uh, 13 games. He started eight games. He had five goals, one assist, and a pass completion rate of over 80% in 2022. His first year as a pro at age 16 amongst adults. And for a 16-year-old, that's pretty impressive. And countless times there were things he did off the ball with just his work rate that made him look like an even higher level player than just those base stats show. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like he, I mean, with the questions that we have in the midfield, it sounds like he is going to get at least some opportunity 
to, you know, at least, you know, in spot duty. Because, I mean, we have a whole, we've, there's so many more games that we are guaranteed to play this year. Um, guys like him are going to get, definitely get burned. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm excited. I mean, what you just rattled off there and what, you know, everyone's been saying about the kid. I'm excited to see him, you know, against grown men and professionals and, and see what he has. Yeah, and I mean, you make a really good point about, oh, there's a lot more games this year. There's oh U.S. Open Cup. There's Leeds Cup. Oh, Miami will be playing upwards of... You know, 40, probably 42 plus games this year. So, oh, depending on which competition we're truly going the hardest at, oh, are we all in on the MLS League's uh, domestic season? Are we oh, all in on, you know, winning the Supporter Shield and winning MLS Cup? Or oh, are we going for U.S. Open Cup? Are we going for League's Cup? Oh, it'll be very interesting to see kind of just which one of those competitions we're aiming for the most and how that affects who we play in those matches. I can't really trust, like, you know, the Phil's press conferences, you know, he's like, oh, we're going to try our best and blah, blah, blah. We're going to go all in. And then he starts, like, the C-minus team. I just really hope that we make a deep open cup run. That is a trophy that is very, very much attainable. I'm not sure about League's Cup. Atlanta is going through a whole lot of rebuilding time right now. Um, who knows how they're going to end up. And I don't know anything about Cruz Azul. So I don't, I don't know what we're going to do in the League's Cup. My, my issue with the Open Cup is that if you dedicate that much time to try to try to win it, it's you're, you're sacrificing somewhere else. You're sacrificing the league position. And the thing is, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how how low we're gonna end up for the for a playoff spot. That's that's what I'm afraid of. I think I think we should definitely prioritize the league. And then with the U.S. Open Cup and that other turn, tournament, I forgot the name of it. Um, we can we can use the younger guys to play uh, to start those games. Yeah, I mean, I think you're making a good point there, Steve. That you know, and to kind of get back to, to the predictions is that, you know, where does this team land as far as the table? And, you know, I, I have a hard time kind of squaring what I actually expect because there has, there's been more turnover than I anticipated this year. You know, the, the, the onboarding of Joseph, the changes in the midfield, um, you know, there, there are more questions in the starting 11 than I than I thought that there would be after last season. And that kind of has unsettled me as far as what I I feel about this. But, you know, how we approach something like Open Cup is going to be dictated by where we stand in the table and how good or bad this team team looks once that competition actually starts. Yeah. Sorry. Let Mr. Mr. Hello Kitty over here speak. (laughs) <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, guys. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, I was just Welcome. wondering. Thank you. I was just wondering, how many times do you think the pizza man is going to spread his mouth open this season? I'll hang up and listen. Who's the oh, pizza man? Papa Jan's question. Oh, Papa Jan. Oh. oh. Um, uh, no, I'm, uh, talking about, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Pizarro. 
Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I think Pizarro, I, I don't really have a good feel on where Pizarro is in the squad. Oh, I do think he's a day one starter. I think you know a lot of the things we've heard out of camp for him have been oh extremely positive. Oh, that he has a good attitude, that he's getting along with the squad, which in 2021 he didn't. Oh, he had his whole Twitter outburst when he left, and oh, I think that oh, for me personally, Pizarro's baseline is. He's got to at least in MLS have, you know, five, five stats, five goals, five assists. Oh, even if he's playing as a number eight. This may sound insane, but <clears throat> I legitimately think that we're a better team than we are la- we were last year. That's um, not insane. I, I think, I think this, you know, I think we, <clears throat> sorry, we've gotten better at, every position on the field. So I, I, you know, I understand our worries, but I think, you know, it's, it's on Phil now to, to performance at the right lineup. But I mean, I don't think it's insane to say that we can, <coughs> I'm sorry, that we can have a top four finish this year. I don't think it's insane that we can make a deep cup run. All right. I think all those things can be true. All right. Here's a spicy question. All right. Sixth place. This is a question for everyone. Sixth place under or over. In the east? In the east. Over. 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 Easy. Right there, I'm, the same. I'm saying push. I'm being the pessimistic one. I was pessimistic last year. I was cautiously optimistic, but I was saying, I'm okay if this team doesn't make the playoffs. Um, I just, I have to see it. There's too well, many well, questions for me well, to feel think comfortable. About it. Well, well, think about it. The, the top two teams, uh, like Montreal and NYFC, they got weaker significantly. So there's a chance. There's a chance that we can we can stay on top, uh, to, you know, over sixth place. Yeah, but Nashville came in. Philly's still there. Orlando may very well may be better. Than Don't say that. Don't say that. I'm just saying that. He's not wrong. He's not wrong realistic. at all. I mean, he's not wrong. it's like I can see top four, but to get to top four, you know, to get back to Chris's kind of question about, about Pizarro, like I Pizarro has to be a DP. Like he has to be a true game changer for, for us to maximize um, our position in the table, because if we're going to play him and we're going to pay him what we, what, you know, what we are, he has to do, he has to do more than, than five goals, five assists. He can't, he has to have more than 10 goal contributions on the season. Um, if we if we really want to push, I mean, when um, I think Trav, when you were on with with Chris and on Batter Herons, like I, I said in the chat there, like I what I would love to see is for Yosef and Kampapi to have you know thirty goals combined, you know whether it's twenty ten, fifteen, fifteen, however it is, like those two strikers can be you know fifteen to twenty goal strikers. I I believe that, but I we need someone else to contribute beyond that. And we haven't had that in any of the seasons that this team has been in existence. There hasn't been, there hasn't been a second or third op- like option that are, that is successful and dangerous. And that's what 
someone like Pizarro has to be. If it's not him, it has to be a surprise player. You know, it has to be a Stefanelli. We know what Lasseter can bring. We know what Taylor can bring. But is Lasseter going to be an 8-14 to 14 goal contributor? Is Taylor going to have 6 or 7 goals in him? I think that they can. Um, but they've just never really done it. And and that's why I'm that's why I'm pessimistic and that's why I say, like I say like over under on six on sixth place, I'm a push. I think six is right right now, um, until we see more. Well, well I think yeah. Lasseter, instead of scoring eight to fourteen goals, I think he's gonna get eight to fourteen misses per game if he starts. But that's just me. Um what my biggest concern is is uh in this league in MLS, it is different than every other league. Your DPs need to perform or you're bust. There is, there is no question about it. Every team that is successful in this league, their DPs have to step up. If they don't, you can see, I think 95% of the teams in this league, if their DPs aren't performing, then the, your team is essentially in like 10th, you know. No, and I think, oh, in, in a quick look around the Eastern Conference, oh, kind of just running down the list of the teams. You know, you have Atlanta, who's arguably gotten weaker. Uh, you know, they lost Josef, they brought in uh, Gregorio, whatever the hell his name is, uh, but overall have looked like they've gotten weaker. Montreal's had an absolute fire sale. They lost their coach. They lost a bunch of players. They all sold players to Europe. He, they all sold players within the MLS. They're undoubtedly weaker. I will be surprised if they make the playoffs this year. <laughs> Charlotte has oh, made some sneaky good moves and looks like they could be oh, uh, an easy playoff team in the East. Chicago's gotten weaker. They've gotten rid of their starting goalie and uh, one of their starting young talent uh, forwards and John Duran. Columbus has also gotten kind of weaker and at the same time stronger in terms of some of the moves they've made. DC hasn't done anything. Uh, Cincinnati has... Made some sneaky moves where you know they could be a playoff team just like they were last year, but it really depends on the performance of their front three in Acosta, Brendan Vasquez, and Brenner. And Brenner that, doesn't want to be there. And Brenner doesn't want to be there again. So it'll probably half a season to decide he wants to play. Uh, Nashville, which a very interesting point I read about earlier this af- uh, this afternoon. Nashville has not scored a single goal this preseason except when they played the U.S. Uh, U-20 national team. That's and, real tough. That's tough. You know, so every time they've played you know, men, real teams, they have not scored a goal this uh, preseason. New England has not really made any moves, so they're a very kind of on-the-edge team. NYCFC also had a bit of a fire sale. They lost Maxi Morales. They lost Tati Castellanos last year. They lost Alex Collins. Uh, they look to be making a couple of moves now, including bringing Santi Rodriguez back. But 
they also are very on the edge team. The New York Red Bulls have brought in a new DP number nine. For them, the question will be, is this the one? Uh, if it isn't, they could very easily be a seventh or eighth place team. Orlando, credit to them, have made a bunch of fantastic moves this offseason and brought in a lot of really talented young players. The question is, is how long will it take for them to mesh and get together? They had a lot of turnover this offseason and brought in a lot of good young guys. But as we've seen in MLS before, just because they're good and young in another league, it can take time to translate in MLS and show that on the field in MLS. Uh, Philly has made a bunch of underrated moves this offseason, and they're still a top team to me. Toronto has kind of made mixed moves. They obviously last year brought in Lorenzo Insigne and uh, Bernadeschi. Yeah, Bernadeschi. But they lost Crescito this offseason. They just sold off Jaden Nelson. They're still questionable on defense, and that's what did them in last season, is Insigne and Bernadeschi aren't fit to play a full MLS season with the travel and the heat in the South and all of that. So they're a team that I don't see as a playoff team, despite what every, you know, U.S. MLS analyst is saying. That was a very thorough breakdown of the entire East. Yeah. A plus. Look at you. You're doing a way job for us, man. (laughs) Yeah. And you guys are welcome. By the way, don't don't forget. I, I don't. Yeah, speaking about away travel, we have to, for the love of God, get better at our away form. Next next year, our away form in twenty twenty two was horrible. Well, I think if you watched on the Inter Miami app, this never got released publicly for some reason it was on the app and the club never said anything about it uh chris henderson did it was a little like two minute video where he talked about what he wanted in 2023 what he wanted to improve on what he was looking for and it was this really informative like two minute clip that the club never released anywhere and he talked about getting better on the road and getting better at free kicks and getting better at you know, dead ball plays. So, oh, I think Miami, you know, who went and just came back from a week-long kind of team-building trip to Sarasota, that is going to be a, that, you know, it's a very big focus for them this season is win on the road. In MLS, if you win half of your road games and half of your home games, you are in the playoffs. And that's the reason that, you know, Miami came in what sixth last season is, Oh, if they just took oh, a couple extra points on the road, you know, those tight games that, Oh, they either lost late or didn't show up until late, but it was already too late. If Miami took an extra six points from those games, Miami would have been, you know, talking about hosting a home playoff game in fourth. So 
I think going into the season, that's really key for this Inter-Miami side. Weren't we significantly better on the road in 2021 than we were in 2022? I'm yes. trying to, I'm pulling it up yeah. and, I'm, and I'm trying to remember just off the top of my head, but I feel like our, our away form was much stronger that season. And obviously, I mean, we've had, I mean, the, the roster is nearly a hundred percent different, uh, today. I think Gregory is probably the only, well, I guess Bizarro too, but I mean, those are the only two guys that remain from that, from that season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that, you know, bolstering results on the road is going to be important. Um, I think you look at the beginning of last season, those first five games, there were points that, that were lost on the road, especially, um, you know, real early on, you take away those, those five games and we were, we were on a, a points projection, you know, that was, I believe, equal to or very close to Montreal's, you know, for, for the season. So we really, we ramped it up, you know, heart attack herons or not, but you know, we did enough at home. We just need to do better on the road. I don't think we need to be, I don't think we need to win half of our game. So we need to get, we need to come away with more points than we did. Also, we need to win more, not more consistently. Well, duh. We need to win with more, uh, what do you call it? Emphasis, not late minute heart attack, Herons type of thing. I would, I would love to just win a game 2-0 at home. Relaxed, not biting my teeth off, not like freaking out like I can't watch the game. I just hopefully this season that we can just watch like, you know, a 3-0, 3-1 game, like a nice lead, not like a 3-2 in the – as much as it as it's exciting that we fight until fought until the end, I don't know if my heart can take it anymore. Well, and if you look, you know, kind of really quickly at oh, Inter Miami's history, not including twenty twenty because of just how weird of a year that was. Let's talk about twenty twenty. Uh, in twenty twenty one, Miami had eighteen points on the road versus twenty three points at home. In 2022, Miami had 15 points on the road versus 33 points at home. So in 2023, you know, Miami has already shown that they're going to win at Drive Pink Stadium. It's a really tough place for opponents to come and play. The question for this Miami side will be, can they improve that away record? Oh, even if we get, you know, let's say... 22 points on the road and oh, 30 at home or 25 at home, that's pushing, you know, for, you know, 50 points in an MLS. That is a guaranteed playoff spot. And last year, you know, that's borderline a, you know, guaranteed, oh, top four in the East. 50 points would have put, Miami in fifth in the East last season, and they finished on 48. And, you know, just looking at that, you know, if Miami can win on the road this season, they'll have a successful season. Let's hope. (laughs) I mean, we are, uh, what, 15 days away? So, you know, I mean, 
we're, we will start getting our answers here soon enough. Yeah, 15 days away, eight days away from Bon Fiesta at Drive Pink Stadium, which, oh, if you've not received the email and you're in South Florida, a really fun event to go to, especially if you're in there in a Miami season ticket holder. If you're a season ticket holder, the gates open at 2 o'clock sharp, which gives you first access to buy the La Noche kit, which will be officially unveiled on uh, February 18th at that match. However, if you go to Soccer Locker in Miami, you can buy one right now. Uh, You will also have the chance to buy team-issued and player-issued merch from last season uh, and post scrimmage at four against Austin FC. Miami will be holding a exclusive for season ticket holder player meet and greet with the entire squad. You can get photos with them, get stuff signed. I've already spent way too much money on jerseys and gear for them to sign. Uh, so that's going to be a really fun event to kind of get hyped one week before the season officially gets here. Now this, this player worn game worn merch. Do we know what that actually is? Is it just going to be kits? Is it going to be, you know, like what, what does that entail? From what I've heard, it's going to be kind of everything. It's going to be everywhere from leftover XBTO uh, inner Miami polos that the coaching staff wore last season to a leftover you know, jerseys from games, oh, Inter-Miami Academy stuff. It's going to be basically a bunch of leftover gear that they've been holding on to, like the special jerseys from the Minnesota match, the drive-out cancer jerseys. I believe those will be available. Uh, and, and just a bunch of other really fun merch that you can't buy anywhere else, that this stuff isn't on sale anywhere else. Is this going to... Kelly, Kelly's going to be all over the Ryan Saylor stuff. All over them. <laughs> I want the copy, but the, it has... But I hope they didn't wash it. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> oh, you, you, you want Kampapi's uh, BO all over you? Oh my god, I cannot wait. I, I can attest that uh, whenever you buy like a game-worn jersey, uh, I have... My god, they smell like shit. Like, yeah. I'm not even... Like, they smell like Dog shit. I have Chris McVeigh's game-worn jersey from the uh, Atlanta match last season. And let me tell you, I am glad that thing is in a case. Because when I opened the box that it came in, I needed more than a few you know, candles and air fresheners to make my room smell at all normal after that. Yeah, my Juneteenth jersey that I got uh, from the 21 season... Uh, for Gre- from Gregory as uh, it came, it was ripe. <laughs> it was ripe when I opened the box. So, but in this case, I do believe a lot of this stuff has been cleaned. It hasn't been sitting around for a year, just soaking up those player juices. Uh, oh, and especially stuff like Ooh. the polos and stuff that were team issued. There's a good chance that a lot of that stuff was never even worn it was issued but never worn oh by the way cash only don't forget that that shit is cash only you got to hit up the drive pink atm for is, that. yes th- this has not been announced officially uh inter miami kind of 
under the radar, put it on the app, and then quickly deleted it. Um, it sounds pretty them to me. Yeah, it sounds to me. The merch madness, where you can buy all of this team issued and player issued merch from last season, according to the Inner Miami app, app will be cash only. Uh, there's a chance that that changes when we get an official announcement in the next few days. But as of right now, be sure to bring a fat wallet of cash. Uh, please DM me a photo of what you look like, what you're driving, and how much cash you're bringing. <laughs> and we'll set up security in the of oh you and the blue lot. Um, is this a free for all, or is it going to be an yeah, option? I'm curious because obviously I'm not. I'm not Everyone for themselves. Everyone for themselves. You got to run in all at once. It's going to be like a Black Friday on a Best Buy. That's how I bet it's going to be. Oh, so you're not going to you're not going to get anything. You know, running in there with socks and slides. Hey, oh. hey, 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 hey. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I do believe that the way this is set up is gates open at for season ticket members. Three o'clock for everybody else. I do believe it will be set up in an area of the stadium, not necessarily the team store. Uh, and will be a bunch of merch on racks with prices. And you say, you know, I want to buy this, this, and that. It's also limited uh, in terms of how much you can buy. So you can't go in there and buy uh, the entire rack of player jerseys for you know, $100 each and then immediately hit up eBay after the event ends and start selling them for four or $500. Uh, it will be limited in terms of how much you can buy so that there is not necessarily enough to go around, but enough that, you know, if you're there at three o'clock, it's not going to be completely wiped out. Your wallet just breathed a huge sigh of relief, Trav. Huge sigh of relief with that. Matthew, you forget that I have contacts and, I'm going to buy whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> what about okay. players, shorts, and socks? Can we get those too? Uh, that is a Stinky great socks. question. I do not know. Uh, if you need more socks for your nefarious bedtime activities, uh, may I recommend Marshalls? Travis is sock wearer. Well, I just want, for anybody who's going ooh, out there, um, if you see something that is unique, that, uh, you know, like an off-brand player, something like that, snatch it up, let me know. I will Venmo you, send you my oh, address. Don't tell me you guys ship it to me. Um, I want something. I want something weird that 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 is going to be on sale there. I don't know what it is. You can surprise me. I really don't care. It'll be it'll be <laughs> What the hell is this? What is this like a an Inter Miami sponsored dildo? Like what are you what are you implying here? Jesus. Good lord. No. I mean Someone who is someone who played six minutes, you know, and that Jorge is kind of taking the traveler approach to, you know, selecting a player where it's like, hmm, this guy seems a bit obscure. I'm going to buy his stuff. Exactly. Uh, like me with uh, Indiana Vassal five minutes after he signed and everybody was like, who the hell is this guy? I'm like, doesn't matter. He's mine now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and, that, and then he left. So, well, Cali's already claimed Sailor, so I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, start start a rift with my boy. So, you know, but does Robbie 
Does Robbie Glassleg's uh, count as an uh, as an obscure player? I mean, listen, a number one overall uh, pick. Yeah. I would. I mean, I'm not going to say no <laughs> to it. Um, yeah, but that guy's barely played. It's always yeah, injured. Fair. You know, but it's a good piece. Oh, it's a good I piece of history. The... I could have. I could. I'll go search out a Leo Cullen jersey from the Fusion. I could have. You know, two game worn jerseys from uh, Miami's number one pick. Way back. Oof, way back. <laughs> I have. I have. Perfect player for you. Chris Henderson. No. Player. George Acosta. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I, That's like Felipe Valencia obscure. I, I mean, I'll take it. I, I liked Acosta. He was, a, you know, I, I thought he had, some, he had some promise. The only time Acosta played for the first team last year was 15 minutes in the Austin blowout. That is his – that is his – I. Inter Miami CF first team profile that is obscure. If you wore an Acosta jersey of the match, oh my god, I'm I, I'm soul trapped. If if they have one, and no, Allen only played the uh, the starting. No questions game, asked. Just, Chicago. Just, just hit me up with the bill. Yeah, he played in Chicago for a couple of minutes too. I think he was subbed in, in like the 85th minute or some shit like that. Acosta played when we played in Chicago. Yes, not Acosta. Oh, I uh, Allen. Sorry, yeah, I don't know. Oh no. I, Screw it up. Oh, no, I know. I, I swear to God, Acosta played. Oh, that reminds me. I figured out the pronunciation of Sergi. It's uh, Krivitsov. He spelled it to me phonetically. So it's Krivitsov. Sergi Krivitsov. He sounds like somebody that if I upset, he's going to like make sure to take me out in an alley after the game. Th- that, that's the type of defender I want. Like Not the kind of own goal type of, you know, Big, biggest mistake per game, you know, type of defender. Steve, who are you uh, calling him? Nico Bellic. Yes. And who's Negri? Who's Negri? Uh, yeah. What's his name? Oh, the Punisher. Yeah, look at him. Look at the guy. He looks exactly like Punisher. That's the type of defenders I want. Uh, there you go. There you go. But. Yeah, overall, you know, really excited to have this Inter-Miami season coming up in a very quickly on us. Uh, Miami plays three more preseason matches before uh, that home opener on uh, February 25th. Uh, They will be playing both Montreal and I believe Columbus next week uh, and then on Saturday, February 18th is Fan Fiesta. It is open to everybody. If you're a season ticket holder, tickets to this event are free, and you get a bunch of really cool perks with this match, uh, from merch madness to taking a photo on the field to a season ticket member barbecue that the club is hosting to a post-scrimmage meet and greet with the players. Uh, And then quickly afterwards, a week, we have the home opener, against Montreal on February 25th at, I believe it's 7.30 p.m. So very quickly arriving here. Now, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, Traveler Chat will return live on, I believe we're going to aim for the 23rd, uh, just to kind of give some time to digest the last preseason game and as we head into the home opener. And... You know, you can tune in here uh, at my 
Twitter page at IMCF Traveler. And as I continue to either break news or write really crappy memes or attempt to slide in Lauren Markwith's DMs. (laughs) I wish you best of luck with that. You need some... You need some top tier Riz right there, guys. Really quick, I don't, I don't know if we discussed this, but who's gonna go to the barbecue tomorrow for that's hosting La Familia? Because I'm, good. I don't, I don't want to be stabbed. I'm good. I'm gonna. Go. I already got the beer ready. None of you guys are going. Uh, I can't go. I'm sadly refereeing all day tomorrow. Uh, probably gonna get stabbed. You know, that's just the ex, the escalation of things. Right, pod well, squad uh, scrimmage, that's what I'm going to. Family friendly. Pod squad scrimmage. Yes. Wherever you're going, I'll see you guys out there. February 19th, uh, the Inter-Miami podcast is hosting a open scrimmage. Uh, sign-ups end, I believe, tomorrow. So you can turn around and oh, join us, in, join the Inter-Miami podcast Discord and sign up. But on that note... Jorge, any final comments? No, it's just uh, good to be back. Thank you all for uh, jumping in and, and chatting. And, uh, you know, we're, we're finding our legs and doing this again. But I'm really excited for the season and really excited to keep these things going uh, over the next few months. Yeah, really excited for it. So once again, thank you for listening. We will be back on February 23rd with a look at the February 18th preseason finale against Austin FC and a look ahead to the home opener. Uh, So thanks again for listening, and we will be back then. And as we like to end these with a good old Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami.